We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Mike and Viana got to play some games. That I'll pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Viana got to play some games. That I'll pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 4 of Survivor Winners at War. My name is Mike Bloom. The heartbreak continues. It's good heartbreak. It's achy break and heartbreak. But damn, it hurts so good to talk about Winners at War. And here's a panel to quell our sadness, yet talk about the joy that is this season of Survivor. First, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm like Ethan over here saying my mantra is trying to get through the achy, breaky heart that is this season. Call me Billy Ray Cyrus because, man, it hurts. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking to a guy who goes by many names. Billy Ray might not be one of them, though. Maybe it will by the end. Uh, you know him from the power rankings. He does every week here on RHAP proper with Gavin Whitson and Victoria Baymont. Uh, you know him from a myriad of podcasts out here on the network, as well as covering the challenge with Brian Scally on Dom and Colin, which actually announced a comeback date. Thank God it's in April because March just seems like a crazy month to be a reality TV fan. But we're happy he made some time for us. It's Licorice Ligori himself, SpongeBob Matt. How's it going? <laughs> I am never going to beat that intro. That was great. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Liana. Thank you guys so much for having me here. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to get a chance to talk about Survivor 40 anywhere. So the second that I got a, a message that I, I had an invite, I was so excited. Uh, very happy to be here. Like you said, uh, Challenge is going to be back soon. There is a lot of reality TV on right now. And every once in a while, you'll be watching, you know, the Australian Survivor or uh, BB Can just started again. And I'll be watching that. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, am I forgetting the fact that like an all winter season of Survivor is airing right now like I need to I need to not only think about that on Wednesdays and like when I'm writing my blog like I, there's a lot more time that I need to be thinking about this season there's so much reality TV. We were talking in the pre-show. The $75 patrons will will get this. But uh, but yeah, about how it's watching TV from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. Like, it's so much content. I'm enjoying it so much. Although this week was particularly difficult after last week as well. Uh, but oh my gosh, it's it's all winners, guys. It's all winners. Yes, I still cannot believe it. I, and I still can't believe a lot of things. You know, now that we are staring down the barrel of a swap and we're looking at who left who's on the edge of extinction right now it completely baffles me that you know you have people like sarah lacina being super chummy with everybody that sandra was the swing vote this episode that boston rob is not only still on the beach but giving words of encouragement to michelle these are people that we all had dead to rights in the preseason Yet they're all still here. And I guess it really proves that anything can happen in this season of Survivor where 
there's so many different levels of thinking and so many different levels of reputations and previous connections and everything that it really is tough to predict week to week what's going to happen. I think yeah, Tys- pulled- Tyson is the closest one uh, to being, I guess, on that top tier uh, with the rest of those guys that you just mentioned. Like everybody else that's been voted out so far has been uh, somewhat middle tier. Obviously, you know, you can say certain things about their gameplay. Like I think Natalie is one of the top winners that we've ever seen. But in terms of like legend status kind of thing, like those guys are all still in the game. That's incredible to me. It was also really fascinating to hear Tony talk in this episode about he play uh, where like where the threats are. I think it was in his conversation with Tyson or a confessional, but essentially we got the idea that, you know, Tyson was ahead of him in terms of threat level, which is insane. (laughs) But that's the way that he sees it. And then Sandra is like slightly behind them. So it's so interesting to see all of these dynamics. Also, we got to hear Tony call Tyson T-Bone, which is something I never knew I needed in my life, but (laughs) I did. I am so happy. I feel like it's been a long, long time since we've gotten a Tony nickname, you know, really since he didn't get any opportunities in Game Changers to do so, at least on screen. But I feel like he's really lapping up his time here where not since really the days of the young lad and Jeremy have we gotten him being able to nick. I guess does Sandra count Does a mispronunciation count as a nickname. I don't know. Ask the nickname expert. Ask Matt. (laughs) Uh, I I get the nicknames from Rob, so we're going to have to get the big guy on the phone here. (laughs) Okay, Uh, whatever. Also, how how crazy is it that before the season, uh, you know, the same thing people were saying about Tony? Well, at least we have the edge of extinction. We're guaranteed Mm -hmm. uh, every single episode of Tony. He's still in the game. He's still in the main game. We don't need the edge edge of extinction to to see Tony all season long. He's he's killing it. Let's talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about this episode because I've seen, you know, I've seen a mixed range of opinions, I guess more mixed than I think the previous three episodes, and namely because of that Edge of Extinction segment. And I think it was an absolutely beautiful sequence, especially for somebody like Ethan and the journey he's been on. I've also seen some people kind of push back against the segment saying, why do we need to see this? Why do we need to see these people bonding when they're eliminated from the game? You know, you're taking time away from all the dynamics that are going on. Liana, where did you stand on this episode personally, especially in comparison to the three that came before it? Okay, so in this episode in general, I thought that it was good to finally see the dynamics on the Red Tribe uh, because, you know, they hadn't had to go to tribal. So it was really difficult to know where everybody stood, like Nick Wilson talked about. Right. You can promise so many things, but until you actually see the votes fall, you really don't know where the lines are drawn. Right. I think uh, you put it best when he said when you take an instamatic photo. That's when you know which yeah. truly the lines exist. <laughs> Does anybody know what that is? I think that's a new social platform that he kept under his hat until now. I think this was a soft <laughs> launch for Instamatic. You can find me on instamaticphotos.com <laughs> <laughs> or the app or whatever. <laughs> what, do you think, your app. what do you think that would do? Maybe it's for like people you can't pin down. And when you take a photo of them, like you, you cemented a location for them so you could use it for timestamps. Hmm. Instamat, like it's Instagram, but it's Instamatic. What, I, I what? hear my name somewhere in there. <laughs> it's just photos of mats. It's yeah. mats. <laughs> oh yeah, the only mat, the, the only mat-driven platform out there on the internet. Mat bracket come to life. I, I'm yeah. with it. I'll download. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll download. I'll be a user. It's cool. Well, but, well, Liana be a, but Liana, I don't think you'll be allowed to be a user unless you have to oh. enter your name as like Matt Boris. 
Ooh. There's there's room for all the mats in the world. So if anybody wants to, you know, make Matt their middle name, their nickname, you're all welcome. Okay, that'll be my nickname. Liana Matt Boris. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, why is that your nickname? I just really wanted to be on Instamatic. <laughs> I need to get my DB in from the ground up on Instamatic. Yeah, just it's whatever. It's too cool. You wouldn't get it. Uh, but OK, I, I have to talk about the edge of extinction moment, though, too, because I saw people saying, oh, this is taking time away. I was so emotional when I was watching that scene. I almost cried, especially when Ethan, everybody went up with Ethan to get the last log. It was so sad, but also like, oh, my God, it was crazy. I was crazy emotional. Uh, then I rewatched it and I get where people were complaining that it was boring because it was really boring on the rewatch. But in the emotion of the moment, I really enjoyed the segment on TV. What are you thinking, Matt? Uh, so, I mean, going back to like the, cha- uh, the last season of the challenge, we we ended up with 90 minute episodes. And uh, there were times throughout the season where I was like, OK, maybe we don't need these 90 minutes uh, each week. And then uh, Probst was talking to, uh, I want to say, ET Canada before the season started about how people say they want more time. But then when the time comes, they actually don't want it. And I was like, maybe he's right, because I had that thought with the challenge. Uh, but uh, now that we have this here, uh, this is showing me that there are specific seasons of shows and this you know particular season of all winners that you need that extra time if you're going to have edge of extinction you need to give us some extra time so that we can see what's going on in the game and not have you know an entire 10 minutes of the show or whatever it was devoted to the edge of extinction because i liked this segment i like the people on the edge and uh, i've been you know putting it in my uh, blogs each week talking about how I am glad that the edge is here for this season because I don't want to lose these people already. If I had lost Natalie Anderson after one episode and that was it for the entire, her entire return appearance, I would have been devastated. Yeah. And then, uh, then she so wouldn't I, become rich in fire token. She wouldn't be able to in- invest in Instamatic and become one she, of the angel She became investors. the richest person in the world and we are getting to witness it in front of our eyes. Uh, you know, so if we didn't get that opportunity, I would have been pretty upset. Uh, so, you know, who knows how it's going to play out in terms of like the game itself obviously last time the guy came back and won who knows if anything like that will happen this time but um i think we're we're getting stuff from the edge to really satisfy me and i'm sure other people who are you know very sad that ethan went last week as well uh, all of us are still heartbroken over that and then you know it's it's as as our favorites keep going over there i think uh you know it's at least for me is i still feel good about having it here yeah i think with this particular episode when you look at it after the fact I think we realized that this was by far the most straightforward vote of the season so far to the point where I think actually uh, Rob talked about this a bit in his podcast with T-Bird, but I think there have been some Nancy Drews out there on the Survivor subreddit that have pointed out that, in fact, maybe Tony's, uh, you know, last minute pitch to save Tyson as a shield might have actually been done out of sequence. And so really, Tyson was the dead man walking that Wendell promised for basically the entire episode. And so from that perspective, I guess they got a bit lucky that they could use something like the Edge of Extinction to pad it out. Like, yes, these are amazing personalities, but I mean, if they're looking for some strategic content, unfortunately, it did not seem like the call, at least in the moment, was providing a lot of intrigue up in the air dynamics that Sele has been uh, the past couple of tribal councils. I can absolutely understand, like you said, about the the time suck nature of it all, especially on a rewatch where maybe you're not as emotionally compelled knowing what's going to happen. But I don't know, as someone who has had the the opportunity to talk with a bunch of Survivor editors, you know, people have been saying, like, what does this mean about Ethan's chances? 
it, it, I don't think it really means anything. Uh, you know, talking with these editors, they really do say like, yes, long term storylines do sort of exist. But really, each episode, we're looking for what's the most entertaining content out of that three day period. And I really do feel like they found this extremely, you know, emotional, a beautiful, beautiful journey for Ethan. And so they really wanted to focus on that, understandably so. And so the reason why this was in here, I honestly think, take it at face value. It was to highlight Mm -hmm. this beautiful scene from Ethan and less so about like, oh, great. This means he doesn't come back into the game and they're sending him off. Or this means he's definitely coming back into the game. I honestly think it's just something they wanted to use that they thought was really compelling and helped fill the time when otherwise the gameplay was more stagnant than it has been in previous weeks. And it was so emotional and it was so inspirational. And that's what I get it. I totally get it. And I, I, I loved it. Uh, I mean, when it aired, especially, oh my gosh, I was, y'all people are heartless out there. I was so (laughs) sad. (laughs) Well, let's start getting into our fair here on the B&B. Wait, 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 wait. I have a question. Uh, Do you guys, sorry, I I thought of this for the challenge. Okay. I, I, man, I, I don't know how I feel about this. But I want to talk about throwing the challenge. This isn't my discussion question. I have a discussion question. Oh, you're talking about like MTV's the challenge. No. Well, no. <laughs> we could talk um, about that. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the challenge. Uh come through, big brother. Okay. Uh one survivor. Wow. Throwing shit to an actual survivor US contestant that's gonna be <laughs> on there. Mm, yeah, but yeah, okay. That's fine. Well, we'll discuss that later. Do you think they <laughs> threw the challenge? No. No? Uh ah. I heard there was some fishiness going on with uh, with Nick Wilson on Twitter talking about like uh, like he was tweeting at Michelle saying like, oh, you guys had some help. And then people took that to mean that they threw the challenge. And then later he clarified that they didn't. Um, I mean, I get that they wouldn't want to go into a swap with Tyson if they could avoid it. But I just don't know if I see that being the case. I mean, uh, like, do do we have any like concrete tweets back and forth either way of like. No, I think I mean, I think I've seen outside of that sort of reading between the lines, I've seen people sort of watch the challenge and be like, oh, well, Tyson's really swimming, but it doesn't seem like anyone else is swimming. I I really do feel like like during Game Changers, when they threw that challenge to get rid of Sandra, they were very vocal about it. You know, I do feel like these Survivor players do not want to look foolish, especially in challenge performance on television. So if they were actually throwing it, I do believe they would say that. You know, I I think people like Nick and Sarah would be like, oh, yeah, no, we were definitely throwing it to get rid of Tyson. Like, no question whatsoever. And I think the fact that they did not say that means that, no, they truly did not throw it. I think it was just a big, big choke at the end, uh, which allowed, you know, I guess, Sele to have their own pseudo inspirational moment as Adam Klein finally grabs his hall pass key. Yes. Okay. all right. So if that is the case and they did not throw it, that is some embarrassing puzzle performance. I'm just going to say it. That puzzle was not that hard. And you could solve it two ways because you could solve it upside down because it was symmetrical. So, <laughs> like, and that's bad on their part. And, you know, because, maybe it was because the fact that neither Sandra nor Sophie was on that puzzle. That's entirely possible. They you know, should have said that they were going to throw it because the, the I think it's more embarrassing to have done so poorly on the puzzle. I'm, I'm loving this uh, running theme of Wendell not being in the puzzle, but still screaming from the yeah. sideline, like yeah. helping with the puzzle. Like Jeff pointed it out last week. He's like, Wendell really wants to get in there. And then this week again, it just felt like every other shot of the Red Tribe doing the puzzle was Wendell screaming at them to do this and that. I'm like, dude, just go in the puzzle no, next I, time. I love Wendell the hockey dad. I love him standing on the sidelines being like, come on, 
like that's a clear foul like you just let me step in there and do it you know like he's clearly <laughs> sort of like backseat coaching from the sidelines even though he technically can't participate in it i also saw a secret scene of decal's tree mail where wendell was like i'm so glad it's a water challenge like we're gonna kick ass in the water so yeah i, I don't i personally don't think there was any sort of fishiness going on though who knows you know these people have unfortunately had a bit of radio silence as to it maybe we'll find out after the fact that yeah, they were trying to get rid of Tyson because it was such a clean vote. Yeah, maybe Wendell was uh, participating in the challenges or trying to participate in the puzzle so much after that one time when he didn't win immunity because he forgot to call Jeff over. He's overcompensating. He's Yeah, exactly. And he's probably at the end of every time they finish the puzzle. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> I would imagine. Or he's like standing next to Jeff and like tapping him on the shoulder every time they get close. <laughs> yeah right like just preparing for when they do solve the puzzle yeah that's yeah, so, job so jeff is, is just jeff's paying attention. extra attention yep exactly. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well let, let's get into tyson speaking of tyson because here he goes to edge of extinction who knows he may be coming back soon but he gets uh sent out pretty handily here even though he is stunned it's a pretty consensus thing for the tribe so much so that there's this really sad scene where he's like great nick nick it's an easy vote right it's an easy vote everyone's going for nick and then he walks away and everyone's like Poor Tyson doesn't Aww. even realize we're all ganging up on him. But Liana, you know, we obviously talked about him a bit in our preseason draft back in June. But as the preseason began to crystallize closer to the premiere, how did you think Tyson was going to do, especially with the advent of EOE and the fire tokens? OK, so here's what I said for Tyson. I said that he would continue to spread those preseason rumors, which proved to be effective in sowing mistrust. He mentions actual factual and or bolt hole in a confessional. <laughs> he is the first person to try to buy an advantage off of someone with fire tokens. And I said that he would get 69 fire tokens nice. and he would have 34 confessionals. His ally would be Jeremy and his enemy would be Tony. So I was so wrong. <laughs> on pretty much everything interesting so i mean i also feel like it would be someone like tyson to purposely end on 69 fire tokens uh -huh, yeah exactly <laughs> like that he was aiming for that <laughs> uh well so i decided especially when it came you know leon and i said we're not going to make any predictions in terms of placements because edge of extinction futzes with everything so let's just make a winner pick and you know what? When I, well, after my draft, I felt really nervous about picking Tyson, you know, first in my team, second overall. You three were balking at me. But then in the preseason, I was looking at all this positivity about Tyson. So I'm like, okay, I feel good about this. And it could still come to pass. But for at the moment, my winner pick, Tyson Apostle, has been voted out. Uh, I said he'd get given the most stuff by people on Edge of Extinction. I guess whether that meant like the fire tokens or whether that meant people selling him stuff just because he has all these friends. I said he'd vote someone out after taking their advantage, uh, Sierra Don Thomas style. If it was mm -hmm. Sarah Lucina, that'd be all the more pertinent. And I said, I guess true to what you said, Liana, he would be very capable and would spread a bunch of lies and misinformation to turn the tribe against each other. I said his closest ally was Yule and his biggest enemy was Sandra. And I said mm -hmm. uh, 70 confessionals and I think 10 fire tokens or something like that by the end okay yeah so i mean he you had him as your winner pick right so obviously he was gonna go deep into the game so wow yeah what a world that would have been <laughs> could we you know, live in that world it could still happen again that's true 
I, I just love that Tyson's legacy on this season. I mean, obviously it's not finished yet. We don't know uh, how it's going to go forward from here, but at this point to this point, he has now been voted out. Um, but just from like the super fan level of like where we are within the RHAP community to have this and like, you know, a year from now that we'll be able to look back and also have the news AF podcast from when Tyson was gone yes. filming and just have all of those where people were confused. People were questioning themselves, their lives, their, their things that they learned and everything. Uh, and then they, some people, like that knew about it, of course, uh, or we were having fun listening along to the, the clips of Tyson in there. Uh, that's just like a whole other level of like part of this season that I think is going to be so fun to look back on. <laughs> yeah. Talk about inside jokes. Like, I, I, I'm so amazing. glad that they ended up doing that at the time. I was like, this is kind of stupid. And then <laughs> as it went on, I was like, you know what? This is funny. This is, this is actually funny that like they went really hard with it. They, they did a lot of planning and it was good. Um, and just quickly, uh, my, my thoughts on Tyson were that be, uh, before the season, I felt pretty good about him. I think I had him definitely at least in my top five of my preseason power rankings. Um, but then after the first episode, I was, you know, obviously we saw that he was on right. the outs, but my first thought was just, all right, this season, uh, we saw Natalie going out first. I said, you know what? The people that are the likable ones around camp, the people that are making you laugh, uh, they are going to have absolutely no luck this season using that skill in particular to get far in the game. This game is going to be only about connections, who knows who, and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with the traditional, like, Tyson or Natalie gameplay, like I said, of keeping yeah. people laughing and, and all that. That has that's not going to help them at all. And of course, as we see, they're both already gone. So, well, ironically enough, you talk about, you know, the, it's going to come down to who knows who. But Tyson and this is what he was trying to pitch sort of got taken out by an alliance of people who don't know anybody else. It's so interesting. And it's like mm -hmm. the complete opposite of blood versus water. Right. And blood versus water. Tyson was part of those group of unconnected individuals being like, okay, we have to gang up on the, the pairs in this game, the people that know each other, because then they're going to take us out. And then the exact opposite happened here, where he's like, we're the people who know each other, who have connections. We have to join up together or else these unconnected individuals are going to take us out. I should know. I was one of them. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's a good survivor player. It's crazy. <laughs> Almost just like that. Yeah, no, I, that was really good. And it's neat to see those parallels. And I, I love that point, Matt, about the fact that essentially the skill set that you have, if, if you are a social player because of the players that you're playing with, essentially that is like a null and void benefit because everybody's such a good player and because everybody's so smart. It's also been really interesting to see how these winners are playing because it almost is like encapsulates what is maybe the ideal strategy, which is to kind of lay low easy consensus booths in the beginning, right? That's what everybody seems to be trying to be doing. Um, apart from, you know, we've seen more from the blue tribe, obviously they're sort of playing a little bit faster, but since we saw red tribe go to tribal council, you know, they really, really were playing for the swap. They were playing to make peace. And so it's interesting that, you know, that's a strategy that they've adopted early. Well, the strategy yeah. on the call has essentially been get rid of anyone who knows Boston Rock. <laughs> right. <laughs> which I guess for which is what the third out of five votes has been around Boston Rob, which is just insane. Again, say what you want to about the man's legacy and his stature in the survivor community. But the fact that they're taking, you know, people out around him just for the pure idea of them joining up with him and working with him later on is astounding to me. And what he's been able to do is like, I, I saw this uh, get tweet tweeted out. I feel like it's almost, I mean, it's not exactly a one-for-one -one comparison to Sandra and Game Changers, but I guess similarly, it's one of those things of like, 
wow, I, Rob has been on borrowed time right now. And the fact that he makes it day after day without getting a huge, huge target on him or getting his torch enough is pretty damn miraculous. You know, it's one thing to come in this season with a legacy of being Boston Rob, of being like one of, if not the biggest, you know, well-known characters in Survivor history. It's another thing that they all came out there and saw his head on a huge statue uh, right when they were doing preseason press. So, you know, this was always going to play out like this and, you know, hard to be any kind of surprised. Mm -hmm. And, you know, would you say, Mike, that he's playing with house money at this point? I mean, I kind of think so. Like, I do not think... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over my head into the water I, f- I fell I couldn't grab the key and I just drenched myself instead but yes he's and he'll go all in but I feel like he's losing any sort of good he's losing all his chip stacks essentially like I feel like he's going into this this uh, swap very short stack but who knows knowing his luck this season it's going to end up being like a super good swap for him like it'll be the sell majority and he'll be able to be like all right, I guess we'll keep everything together. And then somehow, some way, Boston freaking Rob is going to make the merge and it's going to be incredible. Good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's yeah. my last hope of uh, my all-star trio. Two, two of them are already gone. And now, you know, he, Rob's doing the work for uh, uh, that I need somebody to do, protecting poverty as much as possible. So uh, I need him around as long as we can get him. <laughs> Operation Protect Poverty. I love that. That's the goal. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's start getting into our games here. Uh, because while Yule said that he does not do math this season, I'm going to make you guys do some math. So this is a game I like to call by the numbers, uh, not just the 20 trips of the logs that were going on this episode, but lots of numbers happening over the course of episode four of Survivor. It's a pretty simple game. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is going to be a number. I'm going to have you each write down a number and whoever's closest is going to get the point for that question. So we'll see how keen your skills of observation are. Okay, okay. that sounds good. Um, okay, wait, let me get. All right. Okay, I'm ready. Are you getting like a, a pad of paper? I, yeah, I have a little notepad. I have written wait, down here I, 12 minutes. Does anybody know what that means? What happened well, to 12 minutes? The Edge of Extinction segment. The Edge of Extinction segment was about uh, 10 to 12 <laughs> minutes, I think. Wait, wait, do you um, know if this is linked to this episode or did you just write down? Maybe you wrote down 12 o'clock instead. Like maybe uh, you're supposed to do something at noon. No, I wrote. Well, this is from previously. I wrote down 12 minutes. Like I wrote mins. 12 mins. 12 mins. Maybe it's not minutes. Hmm. Uh, Man, this is a mystery. Quite a mystery. I'm going to keep this posted Who, just in case. Yeah. Who's the mysterious 12 <laughs> minutes? <laughs> Mr. 12 minutes. Oh man, get Nancy Drew over here. Call up the Hardy boys. We got a mystery on our yes. hands. Mr. 12 minutes was my nickname in college. Oh my God. <laughs> Full of bloom. <laughs> All right, here we go. So again, we'll have you both write down an answer for each question. We'll use the honor system here. Uh, there's no honor among thieves on Survivor, but it seems like we are going with an honor and a Jervis for this one. So again, the answer is just going to be a straight up number. So use your best guesstimation. Here we go. So on day 10, Yule decides to greet the day by hugging and or like shaking the shoulders of a good amount of the Decal tribe members. How many people did we see Yule embracing to start the day? Uh, how did I not notice Yule being so touchy-feely or, or yeah, he was friendly? Real, and, 
Yeah, he was walking around. He was like uh, patting people on the shoulders and stuff. Yeah, I love friendly. Yule. He reminds me of like that's a very boss thing, right? Of him being like, I gotta invigorate, you know, motivation, positivity in my coworkers. So let me like walk down the cubicle and being like, Bob, how's the wife doing? And like, you know, starting up conversations at the coffee maker, <laughs> the water cooler, if you will. Exactly. He's a good manager. <laughs> All right, so Matt, what's your number here? Uh, I guess I'll keep it low. I can't imagine he was going to everybody in the tribe, right? Like, and he, he's not going anywhere near, near Tyson and Kim. That, that's putting a target on his back. So, uh, that brings us down to six options, maybe, because not including him. I, I'll go with four. I also said four. And you were both uh, right on the money. The correct answer oh. is four. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> yeah, so he uh, embraced Nick. He shook Tony on the shoulder as Tony was sleeping. Uh, he hugged Kim and he hugged Sophie as well. Oh, and he I did hug Kim. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, so well, maybe he's crossing party lines. It's not instamatic yet, so he can still <laughs> hug the enemies. Yeah, they can all change their names to Matt. <laughs> um, but he was trying to. He's trying to bring Kim in, right? So yeah, maybe he's trying that to bring Kim in with him. Reason. I wonder if he knew about the again. We won't be able to talk with him about it until much, much later. But I wonder if he knew about the whole half idol thing. Do we ever get because I don't think Sophie ever returned the half idol to Kim like nope. Adam did with Denise. She mm -hmm. did not. No, they they definitely would have said something if uh, if that was the case. And uh, Kim, Kim was very interesting to me to be watching this episode because like I, maybe you caught it and I didn't. I don't know. If, did she say any words at all besides like to Sarah? Like she didn't have a confessional like, or maybe no, she did. She, she, the I feel like she was very quiet. Yeah, there was a secret. Well, maybe there was a reason. So because there was a secret scene that apparently Kim's been struggling a little bit with homesickness uh, now that she's oh, okay. She left three kids behind, which was very different from her situation the last time out. She actually has a really beautiful confessional about how last time she was super strategic and now she's like, quote unquote, letting herself be more emotional and more vulnerable. Uh, but I think maybe just between that and just not being really affiliated with the main decision makers, apparently in the tribe, it was not a purple episode, surprisingly, for Kim Sprodlin. It just felt like every single scene was Kim looking in on a conversation, looking sad. And I was like, I, I really want to give her a hug. <laughs> she did look really sad. I every caught that scene. too. Even she the was one. Just, yeah. Even oh, the one with uh, that you mentioned with Sarah was she was like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm, uh, and I was like, oh, Kim, let me help <laughs> so you. Should, should we call her Kim Sadlin this season? Uh, and then it was uh, even more crushing at the very end when obviously Tyson goes out and doesn't give his fire token to her. I was like, come on, dude. Well, Kim <laughs> really, did say really that she were, you know, she was starstruck by a lot of people, but she didn't outright mention Tyson. I think that was really her folly here. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he was, he was going for that. the idolatry of it all. Yes, exactly. You have to say that it's your hero, and then it's he'll like, give you. Like he knew that she was on the outs, and like Tyson wants to cause chaos. Ty that's that's Tyson's game, uh, you know, uh, or that's his lifestyle of trying to you know stir the pot a little bit. And uh, the fact that he didn't give it to the one person on the outs, I was like, no. Oh. Well, oh, considering his first option was to try to swallow it, I don't, <laughs> yes. you know, I don't know. But <laughs> all right, let's go to the next question here. What is the number on Danny's jersey? Oh my god. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I have no I have no I might be disqualified from this question because Does he know I have a picture of her right in front of me. No Matt! <laughs> I didn't mean to how was I supposed to know? <laughs> Alright, well we'll call this question a wash, but Liana, do you, give me a guess of what you think the number is. 
seven. No, it's two. <laughs> oh. And I wasn't is sure it if it, I wasn't sure if it's like tongue in cheek to the fact that like this is her second time out because clearly it's like a custom jersey, right? It's bedazzled. I think it says Danny Girl on Danny it. Danny Girl. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> yeah, wearing maybe. that for a whole season of Survivor. It's just uh, quite the outfit. Uh, yeah, it is quite the outfit. That and then her hat as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder if like only she could get away with it. Like, I'm sure if a future contestant for like season 41 or 42 is like, Jeff, I want to wear my uh, Letterman's jacket from JV football on the island. He'd be like, absolutely not. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm trying to get rid of some clothes um, making space. And um, and I have so much of my high school lacrosse stuff because it's like good quality jackets. But I'm like, where am I going to wear like my my boathouse jacket? <laughs> so you like what was the because we had. We didn't have Letterman's jacket. We more so had like Letterman's windbreakers, uh, which were like just very light jackets with our school colors. We never actually had like the stereotypical heavy jackets that you'd associate with with athletes. Well, did you guys have pins? Like, did they give you pins? No. Because I would say, like, where would you put that on your windbreaker? Yeah, it's so stylish. No, it would just be like, it would have, you know, the name of the sport, I guess, printed on, like, the back, I think. And then you get your name embroidered on the front. I don't know if you want, like, an embroidered windbreaker. That just feels weird. (laughs) Can we make that the official attire of the B&B? An An embroidered embroidered windbreaker? windbreaker? Yeah, absolutely. Why the hell not? I'll buy it. Yay. First purchase. Add it to our uh, Rourke Shark tank. Yeah, but the bad <laughs> news is is that the only to, to save on embroidery, we're only going to have the name Matt be sewn on. Yes. So much yes. like Instamatic, you have to be nicknamed Matt <laughs> to buy the windbreaker. It's getting better and better. <laughs> it's it's Matt themed. Oh my god, this is an amazing idea. All right, next question: On what number trip? of the 20 did ethan get attended to by medical i think i know okay. that one i think i know this all one right too. liana what yeah. do you think it is 16 matt i also have 16 wow you're killing you both are killing it 16 sweet 16 is correct hooray yeah because i remember him saying that he only had four left and then i did the math <laughs> so <laughs> all right Forget next question in Rob's conversation with Michelle, which is so interesting on its own level, how many times did he swing that ring? Well, that's a good question. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, all right. All right, Matt, what'd you put down? I went with 13. Liana? I went, I went with seven. Liana, you keep on keeping on exactly seven is the correct answer. Oh, my God. Probably a lot more than that. Wow. Well, that's just what we saw. You know, the edit never shows everything. Right. And well, that's the weird. The weird thing about that scene is when it completes it, he's like good game to Michelle. But it seemed like she had no partaking in that game whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't think that they were playing against each other. I just thought Boston Rob was just playing the ring game. Unless, so. uh, well, actually, he did this a couple episodes, right? Like he swung the ring and hit it, and then he like high fived Adam. So maybe it's that Rob <laughs> wants someone to stand beside him and observe him swing this ring, and then he could promptly like celebrate with them after he lands it. It's like the new hammock, you know. He's just going to play the game, and then yeah, you get to celebrate with people. There's some camaraderie that gets built after he hits it. I I don't know. It makes sense. He's he, look. He's a genius. All right. So mm-hmm. I believe it. 
That was a great moment. I, I loved uh, him reaffirming Michelle about, you know, mm-hmm. here uh, wins a win. You deserved everything that you've that you've accomplished in this game. And I appreciated that so much. So if he wants to just keep hyping up all the great people while he's playing his games, that's uh, that's great. Oh, no, this, I, I yes. loved that scene Ugh. so much yes. because it's one of those things where, you know, there are so many moments and scenes in this season that are so baked in Survivor, you know, canon of like, if you don't know their history it doesn't make it makes the scene fine but knowing the meaning behind it makes it even better and that michelle is one of the most controversially received winners ever but people might not remember that before boston rob was a winner he was one of the most controversially received runner-ups ever he was somebody who was told like for a while between seasons 8 and 22 you should have won instead of amber your wife didn't deserve it all she did was cling on to your coattails and so not only is he used to like being on the receiving end of that argument, but also supporting someone who is getting that type mm-hmm. of flack from the fandom. And while the fandom in 2004 was extremely different from the fandom in 2016, I can imagine he sympathizes with Michelle. And I'm glad that he, you know, mused that. I'm sure it's not going to make up for just the emotional turmoil that Michelle went through after that happened. But it's always good. I can't imagine from her, like, how great it was to hear from, especially one of the greatest players, like, I don't give a shit. Like, you should celebrate the fact that you're a winner. We're all winners here, no matter what. Who the hell cares how we're ranked? This is why I was so pumped for this season. To see people that I I think are so fascinating interact with each other. And this conversation between Boston Rob and Michelle, I mean, to co-sign everything that you guys are saying, then just to add on top of it, the fact that, you know, these two people that, that have gone through such unique uh, stories in their lives. And it's just, Oh, it's so fascinating. And to watch them interact, like I, I really just want them all to like talk and hang out. That, that that's I, I oh my god if live feeds could exist for this season i would pay so much money for that yeah, because like, oh amazing like uh yeah we need, we need like a full reunion of this like we can't just have another one of those 20 minute segments or something like i want the full stage like you know of talking to all these people uh, i don't know if they're gonna be talking to each other you know the reunion <laughs> is mostly talking to probes uh but like i want to see all of these people up on stage and just talking about this experience like the show and all this stuff like i want the full hour which you know we're not going to get because we're going to end up with like a full 20 person finale and then we have to get through a uh, hundred people voting on the jury and all that stuff so i you know I, I want a lot more than we're getting. Right. Well, I would just yeah. love to get like, I mean, we've gotten this a little bit, especially with that panel that happened at the premiere screening, but I would just love to hear more of these people talk about survivor and specifically like the fan community side of things, because that's another interesting element of this. It almost ties into the poker lines of it all that the show, and maybe it's, it's hands are tied a bit in this season, but it's really more and more embraced, like the more meta outside aspects of the show like this is one of the first times i can remember where a player is coming in saying like i know i'm remembered for this or i was regarded as this uh whereas previously when people return they're more so talking about like the game they played out on the island not necessarily how the fandom responded to them in turn Mm -hmm. as long as they're talking to each other I just like like a panel of some sort. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing the Adam Klein marriage hand motion. Like when they're, they're talking to Conference. each other. A, <laughs> talking. Um, yes. Amazing. Oh, fantastic. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, next question. Speaking of Adam, so we saw his little, like, workhorse strategy trying to get back in good with everybody, or at least the majority. So there's one shot of Adam carrying a huge bundle of wood. How many pieces of wood is Adam carrying from what we're visibly able to see? And yes, I did count these. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Mm. We got 5,000 hours of television on a week, and Mike's counting pieces of wood. (laughs) And a 10 month old son. (laughs) And a 10 month old son. (laughs) Well, it's not, he couldn't count the wood, so someone had to. All right, Liana, (laughs) what'd you write down? Oh, Lord. Uh, I'm going to go with 10. Matt? I'll go with uh, lucky number seven. I counted probably about 21 pieces of wood at least in there. So, Liana, the point's yours once more. Oh, man, this is uh, I don't know. This is getting a little I mean, I know I get the point and I'm very happy for that. But like what defines a piece of wood? You got to go back like, I don't know. The question Listen, really I've, is- I've been on multiple <laughs> episodes of this week in Survivor history. I, uh, I I know now not to question the hosts and their their judgment. It's uh, uh, the big mysteries of life. Who is 12 minutes? What constitutes a piece of wood and more? <laughs> Wow, really hitting it hard this week. Yeah, Liana's book <laughs> of life guys. will be sold with every B&B windbreaker <laughs> that we sell. Yeah, in addition to the addendum to the Ron Clark rules, we're really just stocking up <laughs> yeah, over I here. I really like that. We'll sell Ron Clark's book and then we'll just, what, staple like a yes. handheld pamphlet of our, stick of what, 14 rules we came up with on there? Yeah, my original plan was just to print out a bunch of pieces of paper, go to bookstores, and then just shove in or libraries and just stick in the page in the back. (laughs) I love this. I love this, like, guerrilla warfare on Ron Clark's book because the mainstream uh, literature media will let us hear out about the true Ron Clark rules. Like, always have Joey Amazing on your team. Exactly. These are wise words of wisdom that really need to be shared. All right. Next question. Sele finally won another challenge, and they actually got their first reward in the form of egg-laying chickens. How many chickens did Sele win? That happened this week? That happened this week. (laughs) Where was I? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, all right, okay, I, I have my number. All right, Matt, what'd you think? Uh, I feel like in general, they, they usually get three, but these are all winners, so I'll go with they got four. I also had four. You are both on the money. Four is correct. So I'm Look assuming it might have been three by the time they got back to Ken, because I'm assuming Jeremy let one go again. <laughs> twinning. Well, they also, did just, twinning. they also did just see Edge of Extinction, so maybe they were fearful that someone would want to pull a big Wendy and release the chickens to get, you know, recognition. They're here for that Sia money. That's the other thing I'd like to see the contestants talk about. If we can add that to our panel, <laughs> I would like that. How do we, like, how do you typify Adam Klein voice in writing? You know, like, is it a bold? Is Ooh. it an italicized? Is it a specific font? 
I think it's italicized. Okay. I think you just capitalize the first couple letters of the word. And then, and then just then... leave the rest lowercase. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like how many letters? Is no, it you a know percentage? What you do? Capitalize number? Ca- do first syllable, all caps, and then second and subsequent syllables, yeah. lowercase. Yeah, okay. that works for me. Okay, good. <laughs> you want me to type up the entire set of uh, power rankings this week like that? Yeah, exactly. In all <laughs> Adam sweet. Klein type. All right. Yes. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> all right. So as we saw, even though Sally did win those four chickens, it was a tough, tough road. How many times do we see a Sally member grab and miss the key? Sally member. Okay. They were going to say how many times that... do we see. No, so because the, the only one we saw from Decal, we, we saw Sophie miss once, but that's it. Otherwise, they kicked butt. But Sele missed a number of times. Part of it may have been due to Tony's witchcraft, but they missed a lot. Oh, that was so funny. The, yeah, fall or whatever he said. Uh, yeah, fall, fall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry. What, uh, I forgot my question. What Sele is red? Blue. Blue. <laughs> Sorry, that's so much. Dude, you're undergoing an earthquake while you're saying these colors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm practicing my Adam Klein <laughs> voice. Uh, okay, all right, all right, um, Liana, what are you thinking? Well, seven, sure. Ooh, I went with eight. <gasps> Liana is correct. Oh my god! <laughs> was it legit? Was it actually seven? It was seven on the money. Uh, <gasps> Denise missed once. Parvati missed three times, and Adam missed three times before he finally had his big Siri moment and grabbed the key. Adam oh, missed his- three times. What did they slow it down to make it look like seven or something? Yeah, no, that's like, the thing. I totally well, no, I totally thought it, Adam had more. Uh, but no, he had the same number of misses as Parvati. It was just to your point, Matt, a bit more dragged out. Like they had him yeah. arduously climbing the ladder again. Of course, it makes sense because then he has this like. You can we can poke fun at Adam all we want, but I thought the confessional after the challenge was like so beautiful. I thought it was so so beautiful. No, it was really good. The one about if you set your when Adam sets his mind to something. Yeah, well, like, but, but he was you know Aww. quoting his mom. Oh, yeah, he was saying was something sweet. about his his teacher told that to his mom or his mom told that to his teacher. I was like, yeah, I, I don't want my mom or my parents talking to my teachers back then. They uh, those conversations <laughs> never went well. Oh, were you a problem child? Matt does not stop talking. I remember my mom told my third grade teacher, Mike has to stop peeing his pants. And I <laughs> took that with me every day. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't I don't think I have any good ones that I can remember. But well, no, that remember- was not an actual just to clarify, that was not an actual memory. That was a joke. I did not actually pee my pants in third grade. Oh, I believed oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I believed it as well. I'm glad that you clarified. No, I was doing I a judge for doing, it, but I, I believed it. It was a pun or it was a take on the Adam Klein confessional. I was urine free in the classroom <laughs> for quite some time at that point. You know, it's okay, Mike. It's fine. You can open up to us. I'm yeah, I mean, we're, I we're only recording for the third grade. Oh, I'm going to buy you some depends. Uh, but my mom, when she, one of her, her teachers told, uh, so my grandmother, her mom, <laughs> it's like, Marsha can't keep her hands to herself. <laughs> and she apparently was always like wanting to like hug the other children and like be everybody's like. Oh, so, you're, you're, so your mom was yeah. Yule Kwan. Yes, my mom was Yule Kwan. Let's <laughs> everybody. Let's hug it out. Yeah, we need to remember these times, not just war. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's eat our just weird fish and d- learn about math. <laughs> yeah. All right. How many times 
was the word facade said in this episode? Is this a trick question? Facade was said at least once, so it was not a trick okay. question. Okay. I do not remember this at all. Uh, okay. All right. What do you think, Liana? So, uh, I'm going to go with four. <laughs> Matt? Um, three. Oh, wow. Liana, this is your game. You, I think you got ev- nearly every question right. Four is the correct answer. Are you? Wow. I should go buy a lotto ticket today, you guys. Yeah, this is your lucky day. Uh, though, No, I think it'd be more so like if you didn't realize you were buying a lotto ticket. Because apparently you're just backing into these answers without even knowing the exact numbers behind them. So yeah. who said it so many times? What's so the, it was uh... Sophie. Sophie said it because Sophie was the one. She brought it up um, during the whole like the our, we went to prison in our high school scene, which was really, really funny. She brought it up at tribal council. Jeff repeated it. And then she brought it up again. Who? Who said it? Sophie. Sophie. Who? Oh, yeah. You forgot <laughs> her name. That's how under the radar she is. Oh, 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 right. Yeah, I know her. <laughs> Yeah, props for Tyson for clocking that whole group. That was great. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you think that was like that was that was not purposeful, right? Like he legitimately forgot her name and then decided to just roll with it. I would not be surprised. I mean, he he probably like thought to himself at one point while he was out there, like I keep forgetting her name. And then by you know by the time he got to that confessional, he was like, wait a second, I might have actually forgotten it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I believe it. Well, congratulations, Liana. You have become a prodigy in By the Numbers. You really have become the John Nash of the B&B. So congratulations on a well-deserved win. Matt is a consolation prize. You will get your customary B&B windbreaker with your name inscribed. Oh, perfect. <laughs> if my, can, like, can the universe use my luck in a different way for something more nope. productive? Like, no offense, Mike. I'm happy to have won. I'm very honored. But I don't know. Maybe something more useful. Not that this isn't useful, knowing how many logs Adam Klein is carrying around, but still. Yeah, actually, he was carrying one more piece than the EOE people did. So maybe he could have beasted that challenge if he was on the edge with them. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like walking up and down that hill—that's so gruesome. Ugh, man. Oh man, yeah, I can imagine. Like the, I again, you could say what you want to about the the time it took, but just to hear their own sort of like journey through it emotionally of them realizing that this was definitely not what they expected was was fun. You know, it was reminiscent of Reem going to that Reem and Keith going to that rice bucket for the first time back in season thirty-eight and just realizing mm-hmm. that they are in for hell. Hmm. Like we have to do this every day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Adam, were we speaking of Adam? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, My discussion question, I want to talk about Adam's strategy after he was blindsided, right? So he was left out of the vote by his alliance members. And then we got, you know, this whole segment of him working really hard around, around camp. And then you got the confessionals. Oh, Jeremy saying he needs to, uh, you know, oh, he's working now. He needs to babysit, blah, 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 all that stuff. But what do you guys think is the actual best strategy? Is Adam acting uh, ideally here or is there something else that he could have done because I feel like I, I don't know exactly what the clear answer is it, it's tough because like you would think maybe saving face with the group is what you want to do but it really does seem like Boston Rob was very easily able to be like Adam talk to me I can't believe this kid did it and they're like oh, alright I'm done with Adam yeah. at this point so like considering I guess the hole he had dug for himself last episode 
there's there's he would have had to do something like incredibly amazing to not have Rob come up to them and for them to not actually believe him. Or he should have, I don't know, treated Rob and and Parv like, you know, they have the coronavirus, like just to, you know, go nowhere near them. <laughs> That's topical. I get a reference. Yeah, but then, uh, and then just don't touch your face when you're around them. Don't, don't cough. Yeah, I gotta get the hand sanitizer from production. Because, yeah, you just should avoid them. Like, if they ever try to walk up to you, just run away. <laughs> Pretend like there's a restraining order. Like, do, do not go near them. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like, always or always have like make sure there's another person there with you at the same time yes. like you make your own make your own buddy system yeah yeah i thought i thought that adam uh coming back to camp i mean obviously he put himself in a spot where he thought you know he was he was going to get away with uh being able to play both sides while you know keeping his allies happy while also uh, the strategy he was trying to implement of, of telling robin uh, and ethan what the plan was you know obviously he wanted parvati out and he hasn't really spoken a word to parvati uh so interesting to see him go over to talk to them it's it's tough to see where he goes from here uh i feel like he's got the pieces around him like the right people have all been going out of the game so far where you know he wasn't really or okay not maybe not so much ethan but like natalie and danny they weren't doing much for his game uh but and he still has michelle he still has denise all around him but it still feels like his game is nowhere near the spot where he would want it to be going into a swap i mean he's got uh tons of people by his side that should be his allies but after the way he's been playing people might be willing to sacrifice him a little sooner than he would have hoped for yeah, and it's also interesting to think about because the winners so far have been playing a little bit consensus boot driven, if that is going to stay now that we're going into a swap or is now this going to be the time where the Boston Robs, the Sandras, is this when they start to go? I don't know. It, it, I think Adam Klein could easily survive until merge. It's almost like he's so discounted. Just whatever. No one, no one will listen to Adam. No one will play with Adam. We're going to treat him like he's got the coronavirus. <laughs> Topical <laughs> and, again. Uh, nailing it. Um, and then he's able to make it far. I don't know. I, I, I liked his apology tour and then the working around camp. I'm just, you know, if you're Adam and you get left out of the vote by your allies, like, what do you do? And it's like he was left out by his allies and the counter plan against his original plan yeah. he was left out of. So he's like completely screwed. And he was left out of two plans out of three yeah. total that were going on. <laughs> and he was the only one in on his own plan. Uh, I also like when he was talking with Boston Rob and Parvati, they asked him if he was going to play puppy, which I've never heard that phrase. I've heard play possum, but I've never heard someone playing puppy. <laughs> How do you play puppy? I, I don't know. You sort of like like you you roll around. You like do naughty things. Like you take Boston Rob's shoes and chew them up. <laughs> Pee oh on the God. floor. Listen, I did not do that in third grade. Okay, Liana. <laughs> um, a tail between the legs, right? I think that's also like oh, bashful kind of. Yeah, you know. have you have little uh, needle teeth that hurt people. <laughs> I like that. That's one of the things that you associate with puppies. Well, I, considering I when I when we first had uh, Lily, our dog, as a puppy, that's the way that Angela put them. Is that she had little needle teeth, and when she was teething, when she would like bite down, it would hurt like the Dickens. And now that Asher mm -hmm. has started to uh, has started to teeth, we're lucky that he at least has human teeth instead of needle teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, does he have so, any teeth yet? When do babies get teeth? He has one tooth. It's a weird time wow. period. It's a little bit like a. 
I don't know why I was going to say it's a little bit like Edge of Extinction in the mouth, but I'm going to put that phrase out there. It's a little bit like Edge of Extinction in the mouth, where your, your teeth might come back at any point in time. I got to go. <laughs> I'm to write that down. Where's that post-it note that's got 12 minutes yeah, written on now it? Now we're going to come back to another podcast. Like, Why did I write Edge of Extinction in the mouth below 12 minutes? Yeah, let's see. It's a little bit like Edge of Extinction in the mouth. <laughs> Can we put that on our windbreakers? Yep, it's going to be on the quote on the back. <laughs> yeah, I need a new quote for my quote board. I think this might be it. Mike, Mike, do you see any other similarities between Adam Klein and Lily Puppy Dog? Lily Bloom Puppy Dog? Uh, yes, thank you for plugging her Instagram clear? handle, her Instamatic yeah, I'm, handle. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Matt, for Matt Bloom Puppy Dog. Uh, I would say that, you know, uh, I have a Yorkshire Terrier who is usually one of the barkier types, and I could say that Adam was a bit barky last episode with him feeling like like he's he was able to he overstepped his boundaries a bit and he talked a lot and he got caught from it. But this, you know, as opposed to the barking when you get a sense of danger, this was more so barking to like get someone's attention, to get someone to do what you want them to do, uh, and you know. While I have gave my dog the nuggets that she so fiercely craves every time she barks at me, they did not give Adam the votes that he needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nuggets. Is that what you call dog food? Nuggets? No, we have these freeze-dried chicken nuggets that she really likes, <gasps> so she eats them as well. We really we pamper our dog <laughs> and her no longer needle teeth. That's cute. Her teeth got off the edge of extinction. <laughs> That's sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right okay 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 all right that's that's enough let's uh, that's enough of that uh yeah, let's, let's play puppy with that segment let's play puppy with him. <laughs> talking about puppies this week i was really inspired by all of the well i took away greek mythology references <laughs> so the sisyphean task of having to go up and down the hill to get the logs the tribe members pulling the boat like it was a chariot of some sort and then we talked about idols at tribal council so what i did for this week is i put together some mad libs greek mythology style but we're going to make them survivor greek mythology it'll it'll work i promise what, uh, so uh, b- well, before we get into because yeah. you reminded me with the uh the people pulling the boat like a chariot wasn't there an interview with John Kierhofer where they said he was going to bring back classic challenges? Yeah, I heard that. But was this from anything, any previous season? Because I don't remember this challenge whatsoever. <laughs> I think- the puzzle is. I, don't know. I can give you that. Right. Yeah, because Nick Wilson won, as we were reminded several times. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't remember the uh, the, the, the challenges where the players were like sea lions dragging the boat to the next station. <laughs> It was amazing. I don't know who had that idea because it was a new idea because I also do not remember it from a previous Survivor Challenge. But that was really great. It was really great. It was really weird. Very weird, but great. (laughs) All right, go go on with your Survivor Greek myths. Okay, all right. I was obsessed with Greek myths as a kid, so I tried to write some of these from memory, so we'll see how it goes. And first, we're just going to learn all about the Greek gods, and then we're going to rewrite the Prometheus myth. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with Greek mythology. I'm, like, really into it. I was really into it in middle school. I remember it was one of the units that we studied, and it was something that, like, Got me really interested in the God of War games after those came out, and I did not realize those were accurate. Got me interested in the Disney movie Hercules. So 
Yeah, there's a lot of like Greek mythology affiliated paraphernalia and pop culture items that help me sort of at least flesh out interpretations of these myths. Okay, well, hopefully you can add this to your list. So we are going to be needing a lot of survivor players. So that's going to be a <laughs> that's going to be something I ask for a lot, just as an FYI. But I think let's keep it limited to the survivor players on this season, okay? Because we're talking about our it's all winners, guys. It's all winners. All right. All right so Mike, uh, you'll start, and I need a survivor <laughs> from this. <season. laughs> let's go with let's go with our man Adam. Okay, Adam. I uh okay, Matt, I need a noun. A noun. Oh my god, I'm gonna turn into what's her face? Uh from Annalise. Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> person, place, or thing. Yeah. Uh so should I pick a person and then have it only be survivors as every answer? <laughs> yeah. Can I sure. pick can I pick Denise Stapley so she gets some airtime this week? Yeah, you can pick Denise. Okay. Mike, I need a verb. All right. Well, we can't turn survivor players into verbs. Uh so I'm going to go with belittle. Okay. Uh, Matt, I need a survivor player. Oh, I'm good at this. Uh, let's go with Michelle Fitzgerald. I need a survivor player. Let's Mike. go with the queen, Sandra. Let's see if she becomes the queen of the gods. Okay, Sandra. I need an animal. Do you know what an animal is? Ah, I think so. Uh, okay. Those things Let's... the survivor players eat sometimes. <laughs> can I be very specific and say a puppy dog? Yes, you can say a puppy right. dog. Puppy dog it is. Puppy dog. Puppy dog. I need a, another survivor. Let's go with Kim Sadlin. Kim Aww. Sadlin. Aww. I need a noun. <laughs> We're going with another player. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> with Natalie Anderson. <laughs> You're gonna eat okay. <laughs> I need a body part. Ooh, let's go with tongue. Mmm. Which I tongue would say is, is like the hill of the edge of extinction of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just move on from that. I I I need a verb ending in L Y. Uh <laughs> wait, um, verbs don't end in L Y. <laughs> I need a word that ends in L-Y. Mike, help. Wait, what? <laughs> what ends in L-Y? Adverbs. Adjectives? I need an adverb that ends in L-Y. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just take an Mike adjective, Matt, help. and add L-Y to the end of it. Um, an adjective describes things, right? Yes. Guys, I swear to God, I'm turning into the... <laughs> I'm turning into, um, I'm freaking out, sweating a little bit. Like <laughs> she was onto something when she said it's been a while. Oh Lord. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's go for an easier oh, one. Do do okay. Um, do you want a survivor? Because I also need a survivor player. Want a survivor? That's all okay. I can do. Okay. A survivor player, Matt. That's all you need. Okay. God, this is so embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> A survivor player. Uh, yeah, um, so then I'll do okay, and then I'll do the LY one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go with Wendell Holland. I need a adverb ending in LY. Uh, giddily. Giddily. And I need uh, I need another survivor player. Matt. Matt. <laughs> 
We're still sticking to just this season. Who else is on this season? You can, sure, you can pick other people at this point. <laughs> um, how about Tina Wesson? Okay. And I last thing I need is a noun. Mother. Please, mother. Yeah, please don't <laughs> make a survivor player. <laughs> oh. All righty. Let me just plug in a few things because I have to repeat these names. And this totally makes sense. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Here's our story of the survivor Greek gods. High atop Mount Olympus sat the survivor gods. Adam Klein sat on the highest throne with a bucket of Denise Stapley's beside him. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was lightning bolts. And now it's Denise Stapley. A bucket of Denise Stapley's. <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of little ones, you know. <laughs> Because <laughs> he'll throw them later. Anyway, uh, okay. On his right sat Michelle Fitzgerald, his wife. But Michelle was a very jealous. How wife. do you think Michelle would feel about being swapped on a tribe with her husband? Ooh, that's right. I don't know. Very dramatic. Uh, even Adam, who was afraid of nothing, feared her belittles of rage. One day, Adam was down on Earth marrying a mortal girl, Sandra. <laughs> when, when Michelle found out, she stormed down to Earth. But Adam had turned Sandra into a puppy dog. Aww. <laughs> and so Sandra cute. loves puppies, so she could join all her Pomeranians. Yay! Uh, Adam Klein also had many children, including Kim Spradlin, the goddess of wisdom who was born out of Adam Klein's tongue. And, <laughs> ew, ew. <laughs> and Tina Wesson, the god of Natalie Anderson. But Wendell oh, Holland. That's trippy. That's really trippy. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. But Wendell Holland, the goddess of love, had neither a mother nor a father. He emerged naked from the mother. <laughs> what? Okay, because Aphrodite, the goddess of love, emerged naked from the sea. <laughs> but in this case, Wendell Holland had no mother or father, but he emerged from the stomach of the mother. Naked from the mother. <laughs> Maybe it was someone named mother and not his mother. Yes. Okay. Sure. So it's like a mother, not his a capital yeah. mother. <laughs> right. From a mother. Uh, most of the time, they all lived giddily together, but sometimes Adam had to reach for his Denise Stapley's and the Survivor Olympians would fall to order. That's our learning about the Greek gods. My God. My gods, there's so much oh to unpack God. there. Adam ruling the roost. I mean, he's far from playing puppy now. He's the big dog, uh, though he's two typing his wife, Michelle Fitzgerald, by marrying puppy dog Sandra. Mm -hmm. Look, and if we could all have buckets of Denise Stapley's, we'd all be much better off. We'd all be calmer. I think we would all just have better lives. <laughs> I think that would be good. Yeah, if you have what, also, the opportunity to throw Denise at anybody you want to. Yeah, if you get mad. I love the fact that Adam's children include Kim Spradlin and Tina Wesson, the god of Natalie Anderson. <laughs> yeah, let's un let's unpack that. What does that mean exactly? Because I could see Natalie being the god of Tina Wesson because Tina came before Natalie. But what does Tina represent in terms of being the god of Natalie Anderson? So that means that Tina is on this season. Natalie is like when Natalie went out, went out into the water in this episode, she was praying to her god of Tina Wesson, right? Or did I get that backwards? Uh, I think it's back. 
I might have gotten that back. Well, I feel like the Olympians. I think I think it's usually like if the Olympians want like a bountiful harvest, they'll they'll pray to Demeter. So I guess if we want like bountiful Natalie Anderson airtime, we pray to Tina. So just yeah. know that anytime you see Natalie, she's playing for herself and Tina. There's yeah, there's yeah. Tina made it onto the onto the season. When here. Natalie gets mm-hmm. a fire token, thank Tina Wesson is what we're saying. Which makes sense. They were both first booths of All Star seasons. Makes sense. I'll light my candle to Tina now <laughs> because Natalie Anderson literally is the only hope I have of getting anywhere close to the number of fire tokens that I <laughs> expected people would have. So really <laughs> holding my hope out there for Natalie. <laughs> 69 fire tokens. Yeah. Tyson Apostle. No, I think it's a far it cry from the 400, was it 409 from last week? <laughs> yeah. I think 407 that Ethan was going to get. Again, I don't know what I was thinking. You were picturing like a Mario Party board where they just walk and collect them as they like go. Every time you get to three spots ahead, you pick up plus three, and right. then you know it yeah. just doesn't seem to be going down like that just yet. But maybe, and then eventually we'll grab some item bags, and those will be full of like plus ten. I'm just excited for when they jump and they hit the brick mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to stop the die. Like oh, that'll no. be fun. Well, they're gonna miss the brick, right? If we're looking at the Sele tribe. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Denise misses the brick again. Oh, oh, man. Somebody took a really bad fall on that. Was that Nick who like hit the. No, Ad- it was, the when, Adam, it was when, Adam? when Adam grabbed nice. the key, he his foot landed back on the balance beam and then yeah. he fell into the water. Oh, that was rough, man. Well, I mean, he is this the highest throne seated survivor got. Yes, yeah, so so. he, he could survive it. Just put a couple and of Denise's okay. on that and he'll be OK. <laughs> That's right. All right. We have one more story to rewrite, and that is the myth of Prometheus who stole fire for the humans on Earth. Oh, yeah, I saw so. this story, right? He, like, the Prometheus snuck into uh, the Vokai camp late at night, and there was no fire, so he got ashes and then brought that back, and the god said, oh, that's okay. Here's your idol. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He got help from Poseidon to put the ash on his face to sneak into, <laughs> into the camp. Yes, I, I remember that very well. All right, so let's get into our version. Again, we're going to need some Survivor players. So, Mike, kick things off with a Survivor player. Let's go with the aforementioned Boston Rob. Boston Rob. And Matt, a Survivor player. I got to get the Queen Parvati Shallow in here. That Queen. The Queen. Uh, Okay. Mike, I need weather. (laughs) Like, a form of weather okay let's go with hail hail i need an animal an animal yeah um we've got those uh let's uh, let's keep it in the family we'll go with the chickens chickens mike i need an animal let's keep it out of the family and let's go with <laughs> pterodactyl Terry, Terry, P, P, how do I spell pterodactyl? <laughs> Whatever. I mean, there's not going to be a I'll spelling test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know there's a silent P at the beginning. Uh, I need a verb ending in ing. And yes, a verb. Okay. I got this. Uh, this uh, Am I up? Yes. You're All up. Right, let's go with coughing like everybody's doing outside right now. <laughs> uh, I need a noun. Uh, tire tire i need another animal Ooh, um let's go with a lemur lemur oh a lemurian i need an 
emotion? Oh, let's go with. I don't know why I thought constipation. That's not an emotion. <laughs> We're going with it. What? The, what? Okay. <laughs> it makes you emotional, I'm sure, but. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. I need a number. A number. Let's go with number two for uh, our Danny boat ride over on Extinction. <laughs> I need a noun. Let's go with calendar. I need a body part. Ooh, um, part of those. Um, let's go with a appendix. Guys, did I tell you I don't have my appendix anymore? I think I remember you telling out. stories about like watching s- uh, some show. I remember you watched like a Big Brother. It was Big Brother. Yeah, when you got your appendix taken out. Yeah, I remember. Uh, man, yeah, that was a real surreal experience because I had done, I think I had done like a 40, 40 mile bike ride or something the, like before. And then oh, I thought I was just token? sore for a fire token. Yeah. So we'd carry logs. It was very difficult. And then I thought I was just sore. And I continued being sore until I was very ill. And then finally went to my dad like, dad, I think I have to go to the hospital. (laughs) And my appendix had ruptured. Oh, (laughs) my God. Yeah, I was gross. And so they took it out of me. So I don't have an appendix. So pretty cool. You can borrow mine if you ever need it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking for an appendix transplant. (laughs) Do you think you can help me out? Appendix transplant. (laughs) Maybe it's important. I don't know. I'm alive, so. uh, All right, I need an animal. Is this this me? I don't remember. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Oh, no, yeah, Matt said appendix, right? I feel like I've already given two animals. Mike's up. Okay, Uh, Mike. Let's go with a ornitode. Ornitode. <laughs> Don't know why I felt the need to say it like that. All right. But yeah, can you are... please read it like that when you uh, go through the text? I will do my best. Now, how do you write that? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the Adam Klein one, but uh, you you put like w- write it all wiggly. Okay, I don't. I have. I have no idea what that means or how to do that. Is that a font? Yeah, you <laughs> know, right? It all wiggly. You know, wiggly. Okay, I'm gonna use Pacifico as a font. That seems to. Uh, that seems to look very wiggly. Uh, okay. Okay. Ornitoad. Okay. Let's read our story. Man's creator and his best friend was the Titan Boston Rob. Mm-hmm. Zeus had given Boston Rob and his brother Parvati the task of repopulating the earth after hail wiped out all of the living creatures. I ship. Boston Rob made all the people and Parv made all the animals. But Boston Rob felt bad for the humans because unlike the chickens, the pterodactyls and the lemurs, they were coughing in the cold nights without fur. So, well, okay. I don't don't know. Very furry pterodactyls pterodactyls and chickens. Yes, very furry. So Boston Rob decided to steal the amazing fire. No, tire to keep them warm. When Zeus found out. Oh, I didn't realize how close I was to fire when I said tire. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When Zeus, a.k.a. Adam Klein, found out, he was so constipated. (laughs) Adam Adam did say this episode. He said, I pooped my pants to Michelle when he got caught at tribal council. So I guess the opposite happened in this myth. Right. So Adam Klein 
chained up Boston Rob to a large calendar to be punished for two years. Every day, a horny toad. Is that how you said it? Yes, I'd say wigglier. Wigglier, a horny toad. Ooh, there we go. Oh, okay. Swooped out of the sky and ate his appendix. At night, Boston Rob's appendix grew anew, but every day, the horny toad returned and he was punished again. The end. Oh, this is beautiful. Mm. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. So. Just over here with my bucket of Denise Stapley's uh, listening I'd pay money to watch joke. a horny toad eat Boston Rob's appendix, personally. <laughs> I like that it swooped out of the sky. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the chickens, the pterodactyls, and the lemurs were fine. So they were, they were yeah, cool. They didn't, they didn't, no, they were plentiful in tires. Boston Rob had to steal one for his people. Man, yeah. Well, and also, you know, I feel chained to my calendar some days. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> For two years, at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not. Very Do you think long. that's like what, like a giant, like two year planner? That's what he's chained to. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So we can count down the days. Technically, he was punished for, you know, all of time, but that's less fun. So. Oh, so you just made up you... the two years to limit. <laughs> well, I needed a number. <laughs> I thought it would be more fun. Uh, you're good. Uh, you're good infinity. in a couple of years, but for now, you better stay here. That's right. Yeah, that's apparently two years of getting your appendix eaten by a horny toad is equivalent to stealing fire. Like it's the you know the crunish blah, blah, blah. the punishment has to fit the crime, people. Okay. No, I like the crunishment fits the prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. We can put we can put that as our other slogan after a little bit of edge of extinction in the mouth or whatever. <laughs> Running out of room on this jacket. It's good. It's a big jacket. It's yeah. It's a windbreaker. We only so have one size of jacket. We're not made of money here. We're not made of fire oh, yeah. tokens. We actually only have one jacket. It's like the travel hood of the sister sister. No, the travel hood of the sister pants. I like that even better. Oh no! Ooh, the sisterhood of the traveling <laughs> pants, and we just pass the windbreaker around to everybody. So you know, what would the travel hood of the sister pants be about? <laughs> Would it be no, that? Would yeah. it be completely opposite that the pants would be going on these journeys to Greece <laughs> and Italy, and they'd be passing humans around to wear, <laughs> like buckets of Denise Staples? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little tiny Denise Staples. Oh, that's so cute. Oh man. So I, I want, think I, I think I'm done. Well, Liana, <laughs> thank you. You have brought us I, mythology and two different phrases over the course of like two minutes. So I'm so happy. The crunishment did fit the prime here. <laughs> it really did. It really did. I want to talk I'm excited. about. I'm excited for the jacket. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go back to um, the Tony Fall Ya thing because it made me realize that I think Survivor needs more fake outs. You know, like uh, in basketball, where you try to really mm. make your opponent freak out and not do the thing that they want to. Tony obviously pulled one out here where Adam was able to pull the key for quite some time. So do you think we should institute this in challenges? And are there some methods that these contestants can use to really fake out their opponents? Or psych so, out, psych out, that's the phrase. Yes. Uh, do, do you know, Mike, from being out on set, it, can you hear them from the sit-out bench? I don't know how hard it would be to hear people yelling. Uh, so, I mean, I the challenge that I went to did not have anyone on the sit-out bench. I think it depends. <laughs> no one was yelling at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah, nobody was yelling at me. I think that you, I think the sit-out bench 
I think it was actually pretty far away. I mean, the sit-out bench in this challenge was at the final platform. So, I mean, you could hear Tony yelling in the background of some shots with Adam, and maybe he's just a loud mouth. But I feel like ordinarily, since the pre-merge challenges in general are very long, it's a little tougher to get yourself projected than maybe these smaller endurance challenges in the post-merge. Okay. All right. So let's assume that it's feasible to do it. Yes, 100%. Yes, I'm in on the psych outs. I think it would be really interesting and it would be so fun to see what creatively people would come up with. Like, can you imagine just people heckling each other? I mean, that's lovely. Yeah. Well, I don't want to imagine it now that Tyson's gone. Tyson's got to have the best ones up his sleeve. Mm, that's true. Oh, man, that would have been so funny. Maybe, but maybe he'll do it like maybe Edge of Extinction, like when the, the jury gets brought in. Like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Do that for tribal council. Yeah, that'd be oh, fun. And they still do yes. have one more challenge between, you know, all of them or, you know, two challenges if they're uh, if they're on there still. So <laughs> what are the uh, go ahead. Well, what are the types of things you think people would yell? Because Tony was he was going for what well, he was just saying, like fall, like he was just like yelling at him to fall. Right. Mm hmm. So I think you could get pretty creative with the things, right? It's not just yelling, you know. Could you do so, could you do something where, like, let's say, you know, Jeremy's about to jump, and you're like, "Oh my God, is that Val Collins?" And he'll like turn his head and mm. miss the key. <laughs> yes. Michelle's <laughs> up on like a big perch, and uh, is that Aubrey Bracco coming in to enter the game? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's their worst nightmare? And then just bring it up so they momentarily get startled. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining now, like, oh, what? what's that? Oh, oh, like the thing that you do when, you, you know, you're very young and people might fall for it, but it could work. It could yeah, work. Or like Yul comes up and like, oh, my God, is that the final two? Oh, no. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think at the uh, also you could have it where, you know, because they do the challenges like the puzzles, right? Kind of side by side. Mm -hmm. You could even have the people that are sitting out of the puzzle. You know, obviously, Wendell's doing a great job being the coach dad here. But if you're sitting not really contributing much, you know, that could be your job, right? Everybody has a role. Your job is to heckle and psych out the other team. Yeah, what would um, you oh. yell like wrong? No, that's not right. Stop it. Yeah. Move it over there. No, to your left, your other left, you know, like yelling out the wrong pieces. Who was it that was yelling numbers? When did that happen? That happened. Do remember that? Yeah, no, I do. I actually had that exact same thought that it was definitely during a challenge where they were supposed to remember numbers. And there was someone who was like yelling out a bunch of numbers so that they would get confused. But I think it was when they were counting stuff. Yes. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Was that from Survivor? <laughs> now you're making or, me really doubt it. Does anyone <laughs> does Google search? I don't know. I like, yeah. What am I going to Google? Like that reality TV show where they yelled numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I've Googled, I've Googled much more embarrassing things. Survivor, like player, plants, so. community, distraction, yelling. There you go. <laughs> those, are, those are your yeah. Those are your keywords. I like it. I feel like something else you could do because I will say one of my favorite basketball psychouts was when they faked uh, cutting their finger off with a pair of needle nose pliers. Could you like fake an injury and like pretend that people would get interested to like drop everything and run over to you when really it's a fake injury and everyone just finishes the challenge? 
I mean, nobody <laughs> seemed to care when Lauren passed out at the challenge in season 38. So uh, if, if that was a real injury and everyone was just kind of still chilling, I don't know if anything's going to change for a fake one. Mm, yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, I, I think it would be. <laughs> I think people wouldn't care. Could you imagine like Tony being like, oh, my God, my hand. And then just like squirting flicking blood all over Sandra. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The like, shock bit my head. He came back. That's uh that would be instead of a clue to an idol or something under the sit out bench, you get fake blood packets to, yeah. <laughs> to distract. Maybe that's what you could buy with your fire tokens. Fake blood. Yeah, to distract people during challenges. Yeah, or I don't know. <laughs> uh maybe some fireworks. What else would distract people? Very large flags. I oh, feel could like you, could could you imagine, imagine an air horn that people could yeah. use on the sit out bench? Yeah, exactly. A water sprayer. I'm picturing like when you go to Disney parks and they have water spray at you in certain mm-hmm, attractions. Mm-hmm. Like you can have water spray on somebody from the top. Uh huh. Yeah, water guns. Uh, what else could you do? And yeah, and that would be really useful for water challenges. Um, hmm. like you could have like a bucket of sand you could dump onto somebody. You could have like a speaker on top of somebody's what? booth and like Christian Hubicki playing the entire time that they're up there. Oh, I like of, that. Uh, him talking. I'm sorry, can we go back to the sand, the bucket of sand that you're going to dump on someone? I'm sorry, what? I don't know why I had this image of like of like one of these endurance challenges and then you get to walk by and just dump a bucket of sand on them. Who are you dumping your bucket on, Mike? I mean, if you're out there with these winners, who are you going to go back to camp having dumped a bucket of sand on? <laughs> Man, it really is like the edge of extinction in your mouth, right? <laughs> maybe, <now. laughs> maybe it was like you know when Sophie wanted Albert to drop his stack, she wanted him to do that and pour a bucket of sand over Ozzy so he couldn't win the challenge. Imagine being the guy that dumped a bucket of sand on Kim Spradlin's head. <laughs> maybe that's why she's so upset. It was unseen in the challenge that they dumped sand on her. Yes, well, you know, let's raise money for I don't know a disease. It'll be the sand bucket challenge. <laughs> oh God, that sounds terrible. Like ice, at least it's over with. Sand, you're like just covered in it. You know, Ugh. I'm like tasting sand in my mouth as we as we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's better than the glitter challenge. Maybe the Ooh, glitter. That would be an interesting challenge. way to like. If you're at the end and you just like blow glitter into somebody's face as they like come up from an obstacle or something. Okay, I don't think we want to harm them. <laughs> we just want to psych them out, okay? <laughs> like this is going into very different territory. <laughs> Look, I, listen, sand bucket is the perfect psychological warfare. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's not pocket sand, it's bucket sand. <laughs> sand bucket forever. <laughs> right. no, you, you take the what you do is you take that glitter. And you look through people's bags. If you find somebody that has an idol, you cover the idol with glitter. And that way you can tell everybody around the camp. Uh, maybe somehow uh, the person who has glitter on their hands is the person who has the idol. I, I don't know how you can make that work, but we're going to try it. Oh, that would be a good yeah. distraction, actually. If you instead of the blood packets, you say, oh, my God, is this an extra vote? And then people start looking over and like, oh, my God, wait a minute. Did Sandra just find an extra vote. <laughs> Oh man! Well, that if you do have a glitter idol and you hid that in your crotch, that would be very oh, interesting. No. <laughs> glitter crotch. <laughs> oh no! Please don't like thrust that at somebody to to use it to maximum effect. Can you even see uh, glitter on TV? Like, if they had glitter on their face, would mm-hmm. you even be able to tell? I think you would. Maybe it's that's glittery. the problem. 
I mean, it's definitely not going to be allowed on Edge of Extinction, right? Because those extreme close-ups, you're going to see every nook and cranny. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, Gigi Good did glitter for her mm. outfit on RuPaul's Drag Race. And you could see that, but it was kind of hard to see. But up close, yeah, I think you, I think you could see it. Ugh. Hate glitter. <sighs> yeah. It's, uh, I think it's like the herpes of craft supplies, I think, yeah, is yeah, the joke. Because get rid of it. No interest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think we come up with a good laundry list of things. I would say Bucket of Sand might be the top one, but I'm not, you know, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but just say. Okay, well, how about this? How about buckets of horny toads, and you dump those out on people? Oh, and then they huh? eat your appendices. <laughs> your multiple appendices? Well, I mean, of the group, you know, the collective uh, appendix. Rice, right, of course. Yeah, rice. Rice. Man, he talked pretty one day. Just imagine, respond, like, a survivor themed answer would be rice, of course. Ah, uh, rice, of course, yes. I think I'll just try to replace all of my verbiage with something related so, to survivor. So, yes is rice, no is what? Torch? Oh, because it gets snuffed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fire, as we know, represents your life, so that's an easy one. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. All right, we'll create a whole survivor vernacular B and B secret language by the end of this podcast. Between that and the travel hood of the sister pants, we really just have <laughs> not a, a lot of new phrases going on. <laughs> travel hood of the sister pants. Yeah, rice, rice. <laughs> <laughs> Done. This has, been a, this has been a podcast. This has certainly been a podcast. We're nearly, <laughs> this has been a podcast. We're nearly at the end. Let's talk about the question of the hey. week. Uh, we wanted everyone to create their own version of an Edge of Extinction clue. We'll read a few out from you guys. Uh, Dan Sedensky has one. A rope is placed on ELE when everyone is asleep. One end is in the camp, and the other end is at the advantage. It covers the whole island and crisscrosses over itself so many times that the only way to solve it is by following the whole thing. So spoilers for Australian Survivor, there is one point where a contestant finds an advantage that is sort of attached to a yellow string. I very much thought this situation was going to happen, and I kind of wish it did, because I love this idea of like following this rope seemingly endlessly around the island until it finally leads to, you know, whatever fire token there's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be really fun. And you can't just start randomly because you don't know if you're going in the right direction. So like it, it would be really fun. Yeah, and you have to, like, leave breadcrumbs or something so that you don't get lost. You get turned around and end up going back the way you came from. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Could you imagine? You let go of the rope for one second. You're like, crap, what direction was I going? <laughs> well, might as well start all over again. Oh, man. That's uh, it's pretty torturous. Pretty much the same as having your appendix eaten by a horny toad every night. Exactly the same. Logan <laughs> says, very simple. Count the rungs on Tony's ladder to discover a lock combination. Ah, well, that'd be easy to break if you're trying to... Yeah, you could be like Natalie, be <laughs> like, I broke one of the ladder rungs so that Amber won't know the, the combination. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering the fact that Tony's breaking ladder rungs all on his own, <laughs> I don't think it needs help. It was meant to be like that, thank you very much. Just, yeah, by yeah. design. Of course. Exactly. Of course. Breakaway ladder. So Muhammad has a, a bit of a, like, a tiered plan here. So there's a treasure box that needs to be unlocked by a numbered code. Each player will get a hint about the code, but you need at least three hints to figure it all out. Here are the rules. One, you can persuade with words or fire tokens to have someone share their hint with you. Two, you can, if you tell someone your hint, they can't tell you theirs. 
if everyone agrees to vote someone unanimously back into the game, their hint becomes public knowledge. And after a certain time, a player at random will lose the ability to get back into the game, but can still win the treasure. Oh, this sounds super interesting. So there's like one big box in the middle of Edge of Extinction. Everyone has like one number of the code and they basically need to figure out how they can get the other numbers. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of those logic puzzles where you have the hints and you the it's like the grid where you have, you know, uh, you're trying to match everybody up. Uh, am I? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah the logic find- puzzle of like, uh, you have three different flavors of ice cream and three different people, and you have to figure yes. out who ordered what based off the fact that Bradley right, right. doesn't like chocolate, but Cecilia is in the mood for strawberry. Yes, yes, exactly. The The one I'm seeing here is uh, is princesses, kingdoms, and sins. <laughs> that sounds like a fun logic Whoa. puzzle. <laughs> Uh, i'll do that one later but yeah that's exactly what it sounds like because you need sort of all the hints from all the people or it's like clue that was a much simpler analogy than the logic puzzle that i don't know what the name is and i crudely tried to describe (laughs) much less sinful in the kingdom but that's what it sounds like to me Uh, muhammad also suggested install an arcade game where players have to reach a certain level to get the clue the order is decided by a random draw but the game will be difficult enough it will require multiple attempts to beat what do we think about edge of extinction pac-man (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking pinball. <laughs> oh, I like that. Survivor pinball. Hmm. There probably is a survivor pinball. There was a survivor uh slot machine. I don't know if it made its way into pinball. Hmm. Seems like something someone would have made at some point, like in Survivors, you know, the first couple seasons, right? I guess the question is if you get like the high score, you get a clue. If someone usurps your high score, do you have to like give the clue back? I don't think so. I think you just get the clue for forever, but you have to put in your initials Ooh. if you get the top score. And you could, so. you could, but you could trick the other people by being like, wait a minute, Nat- Natalie's initials are already in there. She already has that fire token when really it was Tyson the entire time. Exactly. Always put Adam Klein's initials. Easy to remember. Uh, John John gives a memory from the Door of the Explorer movie where you have to give a statue water to open up the treasure uh, but if you attempt to take it, you fall into the lava. He says, let's do the same thing. But instead of the lava, you lose your fire tokens and bequeath it to someone else. I'm glad John John stayed away from the lava because I don't know how I feel about people who don't solve the clue getting burned alive by lava. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a little rough. Very aggressive for a Dora the Explorer movie. Those video games were pretty intense. Really? They, I mean, you have to have stakes. You have to have some kind of for Dora the Explorer. Yeah, the video you, game. You got to have some kind of resolution, some kind of uh, you know a goal, and you know things that stop you from getting there. Have you? Do you have personal? Like, I'm curious about this. Do you have personal experience <laughs> with Dora the Explorer, the video game? I don't know if I played Dora the Explorer video game, but a lot of those were all pretty similar. Once yeah, you would download, you get at the library, and then you give it to your dad, and then he somehow downloads it onto the computer, and uh, then uh, you play. I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of like stakes of like Dora. We've kidnapped Boots, and we're sending a <laughs> finger one day at a time until you get here with that gold. It's, or it's like Taken. It's the Taken. It's the Dora yeah. the Explorer adaptation. <laughs> so oh in this God. version, is it like Natalie Anderson goes to try it, and they say they have Nadia held uh, exactly. somewhere on the island? Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh! Speaking of t- kid, t- 
<laughs> my God. Kids television shows. I just saw a clip of Peppa Pig where Peppa Pig can't whistle. Have you guys seen this clip? Peppa no. Pig can't whistle. And Peppa Pig is sad because she can't whistle. And so she calls up the sheep, her friend. And the sheep's like, oh, I can't whistle either. And then they're like, yay, we both can't whistle. And then the sheep's like, wait, what's whistling? And then the sheep whistles. And Peppa Pig just cold stone hangs up the phone immediately. <laughs> just like, beep. As soon and like as this just dead look on her face, it's so funny. Who is the who is the Peppa Pig of this season? <laughs> That's all I know about Peppa Pig. That and Sophie? the little like sound. Ooh, mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see Sophie be the Peppa Pig of Survivor Forty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Also, there's 420 episodes of Peppa Pig. Oh, so. nice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh, all I see is it's Peppa Pig is a lovable, cheeky little piggy. She's lovable, but slightly bossy. They really like to say that she's lovable. I think they're trying to overcompensate for something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have to say it that many times, you're overcompensating for something. <laughs> so well, I mean, we'll leave it to the fans to fan cast Survivor 40 into the cast of Peppa Pig. Okay, yeah, you do that. <laughs> uh, finally, we got a suggestion from Parker that wasn't necessarily about Edge of Extinction, but he has an idea for the bequeathment of the fire tokens, which is to have the people from the Edge of Extinction sneak into the camp, Officer Sarah style, and slip the advantages to the player in their bag. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that would be fun. That would add some new dynamic. I don't think people would be happy about it, though, because it would take away more uh, <laughs> more time from the game but if it's sneaking around as long as tony helps you then i think it'll be okay well i love this idea because like imagine like uh yeah you know oh there's there's rustling in the middle of the night like oh maybe it's a mouse at a certain point they're gonna be like get get out of here survivor contestants like shoo they keep infesting this camp well i mean they, they can see each other right from their beaches now that's a new thing that we've uh we've discovered so yeah that I'm was sure interesting right there's like a, later gonna like uh, there's a vantage point of of the purgatory of edge of extinction from the decal beach yeah, Tyson literally wakes up. He's like, "Oh, look, I see, I see someone." They're I see my around. future home. Oh, <laughs> ooh, ooh! It was very Sarah Palin. I can see Alaska for Russia from my house or whatever. If that was <laughs> that was my feeling. Oh, could you imagine like the arguments in the final tribal council debates? Like, I know, you know, edge of extinction policy. Well, I can see ELE from my beach. <laughs> That's right. It's like I was there. <laughs> exactly. So for next week. We have the Sandra bench that was coined this episode. Listen, it's all, you know, duck off a duck off a water's back. Yep, I'm pulling a Liana here. Water off a duck's back when poverty <laughs> throws shade at Sandra at the Sandra bench. We love Sandra. We love the Sandra bench, but it made us think of what other things could you name after players from Survivor's past, whether they be landmarks, whether they be regular objects, the world is your oyster from that regard and maybe you'll name someone after the oyster as well you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us with any answers you have you can email us rhapbnb at gmail.com you can tweet it to us hashtag rhapbnb you can write on facebook on reddit what you have you we're going to collate all these answers like a bucket of denise staples and get into it all with our guest next week, the lovely Ali Lasher is returning to the BNB to break down what I'm sure is going to be a very interesting swap in a very, very fun season. And that's going to conclude this absolutely bananas edition of the RHAP BNB. Matt Ligori, you are the first recipient of the BNB Windbreaker, the first 
user of Instamatic. We are so happy to have you on board this week. Thanks so much for coming on. I am so honored to be receiving that jacket. And uh, if it doesn't show up within the next two weeks, I will be knocking on the B&B's door again uh, to find out the updated delivery date. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It was a blast. Like I said, so excited uh, to have a chance to talk about the season of Survivor. It's been so much fun so far. It hasn't been fun so far because I've been watching a lot of my favorites uh, leave the game. But that's going to be the entire season. Uh, So, you know, when when all all is said and done, I do believe we'll end up looking back on it. And of course, having a lot of. a lot of great things to say about it, but uh, along the way, the ride that we're going on right now has been uh, conflicting, <laughs> as you know, uh, to say the least. So uh, fun to talk about it. And uh, thanks again for having me. So it is quite a journey. <laughs> if people want to keep up on your uh, you playing puppy or basically talking about anything under the sun with reality television, how can people catch up with you on social media or check out whatever else you're doing out there? Yes. uh, Follow me on Twitter at Matt Liguori. I will uh, always be tweeting out anything that I have going on. Uh, So if you have not been regularly checking out the power rankings that Mike brought up earlier, uh, definitely do that. I tweet out the link every week. It's also on robinsonwebsite.com. I've got Gavin and Victoria from season 38 of Survivor that join me every week. And we have a good time just, you know, uh, figuring out who's looking good, who's not looking so good. Uh, So there's that. And then like uh, also Mike mentioned, great, uh, great setup at the beginning of the episode here uh challenge season will be back sooner or later probably within a couple weeks and uh over on the dom and colin podcast my co-host brian scally and i will be back talking about the season and i'm very excited for that big brother canada season's going on right now so uh again twitter for uh, any any of my thoughts on that and uh yeah that's what i got so the the new season of the challenge it's called total madness am i right Total madness. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember if I heard a uh, name. Usually you hear the name like while they're filming. Uh, I don't remember hearing anything at all. But if I did, it wasn't this. So uh, at least it's not War of the Worlds 3 is uh, all I can say. <laughs> this is madness. This is madness. Total madness. Total okay. madness. Yeah, this this, this, madness. this this like really I don't know. That reminds me of like it would, that would be like the name of a show from like the heyday of the 90s and MTV. Mm-hmm. Right. Like had like yeah. the total request live. Like I feel like there would be a show maybe next to like ridiculousness called total madness. Right. Like they they want ridiculous to be on the air at all times. So their way of keeping that going is by naming a show uh, that also gets airtime on their network. uh, Something that sounds just like ridiculousness. I like like the strategy. So just fill all call all your shows synonyms of ridiculousness. So everyone will just think the same shows on all the time. And then eventually when the challenge is off and ridiculous is, you know, the only thing airing as normal, (laughs) then you'll be used to it. It is literally the only thing ever on MTV. Like the if, only thing. <laughs> if you ever, yeah. If anybody ever asks you, "Hey, what do you think is playing on MTV right now?" Ridiculousness is exactly the thing that you should say because it is literally always on. God, it's so annoying. Um, <laughs> okay, I uh, am on social media at Liana Boris. I am on Instamatic at Liana Matt. So look for me there. Uh, podcast wise I did the Masked Singer with Puya Zanvikili we talked about the last episode of Group B I'm going to be getting together with uh, Mon and Brent to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race the second part of the premiere and we yes we will address some of the news that came out recently about mm-hmm. the situation don't you worry and then my sister and I also did the Lego Masters podcast covering episodes two three and four so if you're interested in that check that out um, everything is on reality tv or a half up 
how good do you think Lego masters would be master builders would be on like survivor puzzles? Like, do you think they'd ace that puzzle that Nick and Sarah floundered on this episode? I think so. I think spatial reasoning and that type of logic, that type of intelligence is really important for Legos. And these pieces kind of fit together like Legos per se. So, yeah. And if the, you know, the judges are there judging them, like maybe they won't have so much pressure. I don't know. It might be easier. Well, that'd be interesting. So instead of actually solving the puzzle, it's build your own version of the puzzle and then you'll be judged on it. Yes, exactly. Do a creative interpretation of a survivor puzzle. <laughs> it also has to move. <laughs> oh, oh, I like Good this. Luck. Okay, so maybe if we merge these shows, if we merge more networks, maybe that can become a thing. A man can dream. You can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. You can check out the survivor writing I'm doing over on Parade this past week. As we said, unfortunately, Tyson Apostle got voted out. I was very happy to talk with the other coconut bandit from back in season 27. Jervis Never Nervous Peterson talked with me about his thoughts on Tyson getting voted out. You know, uh, he obviously dealt with a very not similar situation, but this idea of uh, joining up against people who have connections in the game. Also, the idea of targeting people who have more experience than others in terms of a survivor resume. There's a lot of really interesting parallels between what happened. And Jervis had a lot of really interesting insights. So be sure to check all that out. Also teasing that I actually will have a very interesting conversation with one of this season's current players coming up, but you'll have to fill in the Mad Libs blanks in a couple days to figure out exactly who that is. But very excited about that. Uh, I was on with Shannon Gus this past week on the Australian Survivor recap. It was a very cathartic podcast. It, it was it was a tough week for Australian Survivor, but Shannon and I had a lot of fun talking about the good the bad and the ugly that's come with this season and what more fun is to come as well. So be sure to check all that out. If you're caught up on survivor AU over on poster recaps, I'm of course always going down the hatch with Josh Wiggler covering lost as well as back out in the stars with Jessica Lee's covering star Trek Picard. And I'm sure much more stuff to come in the future as well. That's going to do it this week for the BNB. Thank you all so much for listening to the nonsense for this particular episode. I'll be very intrigued to see how people feel, but we'll keep on keeping on. We'll keep on being silly because we're here for the fun and games, and this is a very fun season, as heartbroken as we may be. So we're going to be back next week with Ali Lasher to break down episode five. If you guys have game ideas that you want to send to us, we are all ears open to any sort of requests you may have. Make sure you email them or tweet them to us, rhapbnb at gmail.com. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes, our head writer Paul Osselson, and Wolfram America for our theme song. Matt, Liana, thank you both so much for your fantastic work this week. We'll be back next week with Ali Lasher covering everything Swap and much, much more. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You pray to your mama that they're not too- that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. Let up right to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name.